0: We're previewing the Buffalo Bills mandatory OTAs, which begin today. And considering who the top five non quarterbacks I am most concerned about the Bills playing against in 2022 today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills,
1: your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, or if you're joining us on the YouTube channel, your first watch every day. Well, if you're listening or watching this on Tuesday, June 14th, today is the day that the Buffalo Bills' mandatory OTAs begin. They had three weeks of voluntary OTAs. The mandatory stuff begins today. And then after this week, the Bills will be on break until summer or until training camp, excuse me. And so this is our last week of getting updates on what's happening on the practice field, injury updates, all that type of stuff. It's going to be quiet for the next several weeks between next week and training camp. And so it's an important week. And what I want to do on the podcast today is preview what I'm looking for during these mandatory OTAs from an offense, defense, and special teams perspective. And then I also want to dig into a really fun question that was sent in to me about which five non-quarterbacks I'm most concerned about the Bills playing against in 2022. So a lot to get to here today on the podcast. But first, there is a little subplot that I want to mention. Yesterday on the podcast, I talked about how my mother, who recently retired, has informed me that she is now a listener to the podcast and that as part of her daily routine, she wakes up and takes a walk and she actually watches the podcast on
1: YouTube during her walk. Well, I'm a little surprised that I haven't heard from her because I gave her a little
0: shout out on the podcast on Monday and it has me wondering, is she really watching? So mom, if you're out there, let me know if you're watching this. And
1: I would assume that if she didn't say anything yesterday, that she would say something today because she purchased me this hat.
0: And I know that she would, I know my mother and I, and I do know my mother. If she watched this podcast and saw me wearing a hat that she purchased, she would absolutely say something. And so this is a little test. We're going to find out if my mother's actually watching this thing or she just said something to me. I'm not calling my mom a liar. Maybe she's a little behind. Maybe she's got to catch up. But on the heels, right after she tells me she's a daily watcher of the podcast, I give her a shout-out, and I hear nothing. So we'll, we'll stay tuned. I'll give you an update tomorrow on where this, where this thing had, uh, is, is heading. All right, so let's talk about the Buffalo Bills and, and previewing these OTAs. We'll start with the offensive side of the football, and the first thing I'm interested in are the injured players. Dawson Knox and, sponsor, and Spencer Brown, to my understanding, have not participated in OTAs to this point, not because they don't want to or they're not there. It's because they're injured. So you're talking about the Bills starting tight end coming off of a breakout season. Spencer Brown, a rookie starting right tackle, to to me, that was a surprise that he was able to claim that starting job early in his rookie season as a third-round pick and considering how raw he was coming out of Northern Iowa. And I thought he had some really, really high-level moments, and you know what? He is physically. He's one of the best athletes in the entire NFL, regardless of positions. And so I'm very excited about him, but he hasn't practiced to this point. And we haven't received much in the way of in depth updates as to what's going on with them and when they're supposed to return. But I am interested in finding out if they're available this week and if questions are directed towards Sean McDermott, that gives us an understanding if they're going to be ready for camp. So Dawson Knox, Spencer Brown are the headliners when it comes to the injured players that I'm monitoring their situations. But also Isaiah Hodgins, Tommy Doyle, Khalil Shakir, and Jake Kumaro. You know, there's been instances where they've practiced and not practiced, and I, I understand that that's injury-related. And so, I want to see if they're healthy, and if not, you know, see if we can figure out what the extent of these injuries are, and if there's going to be a prolonged absence that potentially uh, works into training camp, and these guys aren't ready to go to start camp. So that is first and foremost on the offensive side of the football. But there are three other things that I'm very curious about. And after the injuries, I'm really interested in this offensive line. What nuggets can we gather about the offensive line? And let me say this, uh, because this is going to apply to all of the analysis moving forward on this particular podcast. The reporters that are at practice, they're very limited in what they can say. And so that's been true for several years now. And I feel like I've done a good job of being able to read between the lines and extrapolate meaningful takeaways despite a limited amount of information that beat reporters can actually provide. And so you've probably noticed that I've been able to uncover things like Tommy Doyle is getting reps at guard. And I've been able to look at some of the video that has come out from the team account or from beat reporters that post video, and you can see where guys are lining up. And I'm going to be scouring through all of that in the coming days to get you the best information that I can regarding what's going on during OTA practices. But this offensive line is certainly something that I'm really interested in. And first of all, I will say Tommy Doyle, assuming he's available to practice, is a player that I'm dialed into because he was getting reps at guard earlier in OTAs. And that is extremely interesting to me. Not that I anticipate Tommy Doyle starting for this team. But him getting reps at guard and him continuing to get reps at guard signals to me that they view Tommy Doyle as a potential successor to Roger Saffold. I'm very excited about Roger Saffold, Pro Bowl caliber player, but he's an older guy and he signed a one-year deal. I'm not sure that he's going to be part of the mix beyond this season. And so you start to think about, well... Who's going to start at guard opposite of Ryan Bates in 2023? Could that be Tommy Doyle? That would be awesome if it was, right? He's an insane athlete in terms of size and athletic testing. And maybe some of the issues that he has at tackle can be mitigated at guard. Now, you typically don't see six, eight offensive linemen with like 34-plus-inch arms playing guard. But the Bills are certainly. Certainly interested in giving him a look there. And so I'm going to be dialed into whether or not he continues to get reps at guard, which gives us really good clues about the trajectory and path for Tommy Doyle moving forward. The other thing regarding the offensive line that I'm going to be dialed into is Ryan Bates and Roger Saffold. And we've talked a lot about who's the right guard and who's the left guard. And I've given a lot of analysis about Roger Saffold and how, literally, for the last however many years, since 2016, he's played on the left side. And the overwhelming majority of his snaps in the NFL have come at left guard. And then where things get a little complicated is because Deion Dawkins played so good next to Ryan Bates when he inserted himself into the lineup at left guard. And do you really want to disrupt that? If, if Roger Saffold's a one-year thing, you want to just kind of keep Ryan Bates at left guard and continue that chemistry that was formed? And then you think about on the right side where you have a rookie right or not a rookie anymore, but a second year right tackle and Spencer Brown and playing next to Roger Saffold. You think that could be a benefit to Brown? Well, based on what we've been able to gather to this point through video, it appears that Roger Saffold's the left guard and Ryan Bates is the right guard. Will that continue? Will we see it any other way? OTAs will be a nice little opportunity for us to gain some insight into what side of the line of scrimmage Ryan Bates and Roger Saffold are playing, whether that's left or right. The second thing offensively after injuries and after some offensive line nuggets is the wide receiver pecking order. I'm really fascinated by this, and we talked about it a bit yesterday on the podcast where if the Bills keep six receivers, there's probably not a spot for Tavon Austin and Isaiah McKenzie, unless they keep seven receivers, which I think is probably unlikely. And this is obviously assuming everyone's healthy. If if a guy gets injured, then that really shakes up everything and it opens up a lot more opportunity. But we have to operate in a world where that doesn't happen in terms of analyzing and breaking this stuff down. So I'm going to be paying very close attention to Tavon Austin and Isaiah McKenzie and who they're getting reps with and against. You're not going to read a practice recap from Joe Biscalia or Matt Perino or Sal Capaccio or John Scott or whoever's going to break this stuff down. You're not going to read a practice recap that says, Tavon Austin got first team reps this percentage of the time or Isaiah McKenzie or Jamison Crowder or anything like that. But what you will be able to read is analysis that says things like, Tavon Austin caught a pass from Josh Allen, and he was covered by Taron Johnson. Well, that's pretty telling, right? That, that's clearly a first-team offense rep versus a first-team defense rep. That's a lot different than hearing Isaiah McKenzie caught a pass from Matt Barkley and uh, Chris, Christian Benford was, was guarding him, right? That's, that's a third-team rep. So I'm going to be very dialed into Tavon Austin and Isaiah McKenzie and who their reps are with and who they are against when it comes to team drills. And I guess the same could be said for other players as well, but I'm really interested if they can both make this roster, and this will give us some clues as to where they're both at. The other two receivers that I'm very interested in are Khalil Shakur, the Bills' fifth-round pick. We're all very excited about him. Many people think he was a steal. I certainly do. Feels like it's been a little quiet when it comes to any updates on him so far through OTAs, and so I'm, I'm interested in seeing if that changes a bit this coming week. And then also Marquez Stevenson, second-year player, didn't really do much on offense, got a chance as a returner, kind of failed there, uh, had a delayed start to the season due to an injury. Where's he at? Because we've heard a lot about drops, but then we've heard some high praise about some explosive plays that have happened from time to time. To me, he's very much on the outside looking in. If we're talking about Tavon Austin versus Isaiah McKenzie for one spot, I mean, we're talking about Marquez Stevenson as being like the eighth receiver at this point. So I'm interested in seeing where he's at. Obviously, I think the biggest thing that he can do is prove himself as a returner. That's going to be his best path because I think when it comes to playing receiver, there's just too much in front of him. But if he can prove himself as a returner, that can really move the needle for him at receiver. The last thing offensively that I'm going to be dialed into is the running backs and not necessarily Devin Singletary, who I think is the Bill's starting running back and James Cook, who I think is going to have a role, but Zach Moss versus Duke Johnson. I don't think the Bills keep both. I think they keep one of them. Who are they getting reps with? Who are they getting reps against? That'll give us a little bit of a clue as to who has the upper hand at being the Bills' third running back in 2022. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. You can create the engagement ring of her dreams. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style, and then Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft their perfect engagement ring, making sure that each ring is one of a kind. Or you can celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. Perhaps you're looking for fine jewelry, but you're having trouble choosing. Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Budget. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown Sports listeners Get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement rings. Use code on. That's code on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. Let's talk defense and special teams here in this next segment in terms of what I'm looking for during mandatory OTAs. And this is probably the lead story overall, not just defensively, but regarding the Bills' team as it relates to OTAs, and that's Jordan Poyer.
1: Does he show up? Does he speak? If so, what does he say? What is the update? I feel like this is going to be
0: the most telling opportunity as to Jordan Poyer's appetite for this season, and where the team is at with Jordan Poyer. If he's there, that's a really good sign. And I think he's going to be there. There, There's significant significant fines that come for not being there. And for a guy that's looking to maximize his earnings potential in the NFL, getting fined probably doesn't uh, achieve that goal.
1: So is he there? Does he speak? What's the update? What does Sean McDermott say? We're going to get something.
0: If he's not there, that's going to say a lot. If he is there, what does he say? I'm very, very curious. And then I'm kind of curious what the domino effects are from there. We heard from Leslie Frazier last week, and he commented on Nick McLeod getting some run at safety. That's interesting to me. What about Christian Benford? Does he start getting some run at safety after having some struggles at corner based on some of the practice reports that have come out? And then the X-Factor, Saran Neal. You know, Saran Neal obviously re-signed to this team because he's a special teams ace. But I'm interested in his role on the defense. At Jacksonville State, this guy played linebacker, slot corner, safety, outside
1: corner. He played all over the place. Does he get some run at safety? Is he a player that we should be thinking a little bit more about
0: as an option, both short term and long term? So that's definitely something that I'm going to be dialed into this week. The safety position overall, Jordan Poyer, Saran Neal, Nick McLeod, Christian Benford, all that stuff is very interesting to me. Number two is sorting out this linebacker
1: depth. What nuggets can we get on guys like Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard? Are they getting opportunities to run as the third linebacker on defense? now?
0: We're going to have to read between the lines to find out, but I'm going to be dialed in on any information we
1: get regarding Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard. You know, if we see something along the lines of Terrell Bernard was
0: in coverage against Dawson Knox, that's going to tell us a lot. And then there's kind of those surprise players, like an Andre Smith who's facing a six-game suspension. Where does he sort into these things? Markel Lee, a veteran player, the Bills brought back after having him as part of the team last offseason. And then Joe Giles Harris, who's, you know, he was on the practice squad last year, got called up a few different times. Can he force the issue when it comes to this Bills linebacker depth? But that third linebacker spot is, is something that I'm curious about. It seems like Tyrell Dotson might have a real chance there. Terrell Bernard comes in as the,
1: you know, as a third round pick. I want to see how this sorts itself out. Number three on defense, cornerbacks. I'm obviously
0: interested in anything we can get on Kyer Elam and how he's looking and who he's lining up
1: with and against. Is he starting right now? I think he's going to start this year. I've said that. First round
0: picks have always started under. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. I don't think Kyer Elam would be any
1: different. But how is he looking? I'm curious there. And then I'm very curious about some of the depth at corner. Cam Lewis is a player that's been around for a while. What are we hearing about him? Is he playing slot? Is he playing outside?
0: And then, of course, Tredavious White. Don't anticipate him to participate, but is there an update? Will Sean McDermott say we expect him to be ready for training camp? I don't think that's going to be the case, but I don't know. There's part of me that hopes we hear that. What kind of updates can we get regarding Tredavious White? And the update might be he's on track and he's working hard because that's what it's been so far. But what does on track mean? On track for week one? On track for some point during training camp? On track for nine months from his surgery, which is, you know, into the season, what does on track mean? Would love to get some good information as it relates to Trey White. Then the last thing regarding the defense is the young defensive ends. And I'm going to take Gregory Russo out of this conversation because that guy started every game for the Bills last year and played well. He's going to start for the Bills this year. I'm talking about AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham. Where are they at? Because the comments from Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have been very direct as it relates to those players. Sean McDermott came out and said, it's time for those guys to make their mark on this defense and not in a supporting role, but in a primary role. I agree. Those guys are in line to play 30, 35% of the defensive snaps for this football team. Where are they at? Is there confidence building regarding those players? thought it was interesting that Boogie Basham commented on his weight getting up to like 285 last season. That's completely unnecessary. Maybe that was because they wanted to reduce him inside and play him in the B gaps a little bit more. But if he played in college around 265, 270, 285 is not a spot where he's going to be comfortable. And we've heard some comments about how he's cut back weight and looks like his body's different right now. So I'm dialed in on everything and anything Boogie Basham and A.J. Epinesa because those guys are scheduled to play. And then, of course, real quick on special teams, the punter competition, Matt Ariza versus Matt Hawk. Who's doing the holding? So far during the media sessions where they can actually view practice,
1: They have not seen Matt Ariza do any holding. Will that change this week? And if so, what does it look like? Does
0: Tyler Bass kick field goals differently with Matt Hawk versus Matt Ariza? That's the type of stuff that is going to influence who this team's punter is. And to this point, we have no understanding of where Matt Ariza is as a holder. So I'm dialed into that. And then, of course, the punt return situation. Who is getting the chances to field punts? Is it Isaiah McKenzie? Is it Khalil Shakur? Is it Jamison Crowder? Is it Tavon Austin? Is it Marquez Stevenson? Someone's got to win this job. Who is getting those opportunities? That's something I'm very interested in when it comes to the bills and OTAs this week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's NBA championship, the NHL, conference finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. To close things out today, I want to respond to a question that was submitted to me by Jared. And this was probably a herd mentality question, but I thought it was good enough to kind of do a standalone segment on. I don't know if good enough was the right word, but it was something that I wanted to kind of break out a little bit more and really examine as a standalone segment as opposed to just within the mix of the 12 or so questions I get to each week on herd mentality. So the question from Jared is. Who are the top five non-quarterbacks you are most concerned about the Buffalo Bills playing this year? And Jared offered his own list, and I'll give that to you now, and then I'll give you my list. His list, in order, number one, Tyreek Hill, wide receiver, Miami Dolphins. Number two, Aaron Donald, defensive tackle from the Los Angeles Rams. Number three, Travis Kelsey tight end from the Kansas City Chiefs. Number four, Derrick Henry, running back from the Titans.
1: And Jamar Chase, wide receiver from the Cincinnati Bengals. And after I went through and looked at this,
0: my, my list is really different than Jared's. We have two players that are the same and obviously three that are different. And so I'll give you my five and, and talk about why, and then Comment on why some of the players that Jared had and maybe some of the players that you're thinking about didn't crack my top five. Now, I will say that it's pretty close when you talk about number five, six, seven, and eight, right? You can make a, a case for a lot of different guys. But just being honest with the way I feel about it and my concern level of the Bills having to play against that player, these five came pretty easy to
1: me. Number one for me is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's the best non-quarterback in the NFL. He's unbelievable. He's one of those players that is a huge part of NFL history when it
0: comes to defense. One of the best defensive players ever. And he's in his prime.
1: He's a really good player. And 50 years from now, we're going to talk to our grandkids about watching Aaron Donald play football. He's that type of dude. And the Bills face him in week one. They face him in week one with some newness to this offensive line in terms of personnel, in terms of coaching, scheme, right? It's, it's,
0: It's a tough assignment for Ken Dorsey and Aaron Cromer and Roger Saffold and Mitch Morse and
1: Ryan Bates in week one. You talk about offensive line being the sum of five players working
0: together to achieve a common goal. Well, here's the biggest mismatch player in the league in Aaron Donald. Now, I like the Bills' athleticism that they have on the O-line, but Aaron Donald's going to make plays, and he's the type of guy that can wreck your game plan. And hopefully the Bills have a good plan to deal with Aaron Donald because he's the guy that I'm most concerned about playing this season that's a non-quarterback. Number two for me is a player that did not make Jared's list, and that's T.J. Watt, Pittsburgh Steelers, edge rusher, week five. You saw what he did against the Bills last year in week one.
1: Guy was a defensive player of the year last year, over 20 sacks. He's a really good player. So I think about him and and him being a left side player.
0: And you think about Josh Allen and and so much of what he does is escaping right,
1: making plays. Well, (laughs) here's TJ Watt. And the Bills have played him, you know, several times recently, but
0: not with Spencer Brown at right tackle, right? It's been David. It's been Daryl Williams
1: in the previous opportunities that the Bills have had against Pittsburgh and TJ Watt. So again, another player, Week Five, pretty early in the season.
0: Tough assignment for Mister Spencer Brown or Dave and or whoever's going to be at right tackle. Number three for me is another defensive lineman, Miles Garrett. From the Cleveland Browns. Did not make Jared's list. Number three for me. Miles Garrett is a guy that I can see being the defensive player of the year in 2022. He's a good player. The Bills played him a few years ago in a game that the Bills lost against the Browns. Miles Garrett made an impact then. He's a tough assignment. I know Deion Dawkins is a really good left tackle, but Miles Garrett's one of those freak pass rushers.
1: When you think about game-wreckers at defensive end, you think about the Boses, think about T.J. Watt, you think about Miles Garrett, think about Von Miller. Miles Garrett is a game-wrecker. Tough assignment for the Bills. Now, unlike T.J. Watt and Aaron
0: Donald, who come in the first five weeks of the season, the Bills face Miles Garrett in Week 11. And so you like to think that the offense is Hit its stride and the offensive line has come together, making it a bit of a, I want to say easier, but a a more digestible challenge, but let's not sleep on Miles Garrett in week 11. Number four for me is is the other common player between me and Jared, and that's Tyreek Hill from the Miami Dolphins. Bills face him twice, twice a year moving forward now that he's in the division. Felt like we've been playing the Chiefs twice a year, so uh, that's, that's not really anything different. But you know, he's a tough player, right? I mean, his explosive playmaking ability, his ability to win with the ball in his hands,
1: his ability to get vertical, that's concerning. That's a player that can score and gain yards in a hurry. You could be up 10 against Tyreek Hill and he can catch a bomb, and all of a sudden it's a one-score game. And then you factor
0: in Jalen Waddle opposite of him, and you have the most explosive pair of playmakers in the league, right? Like I don't think there's a more dynamic one two punch in terms of speed and explosiveness on any team in the NFL than Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. You can scoff at Tua
1: being their quarterback all day long, right? That's fine. That certainly Somewhat makes it more digestible to handle those players because you don't think they have the right quarterback.
0: But this is certainly an opportunity for Tua that's, you know, he's facing a make or break year. The Dolphins have multiple first round picks in next year's draft. He's in a a quarterback friendly system under Mike McDaniel, and they've got dudes, right? They got the offensive line figured out, they've signed running
1: backs, they have receivers. Tua has everything he needs, they have a good defense. Tyreek Hill certainly a player that I get nervous about playing against. Then number five for me is Jeffrey
0: Simmons from the Tennessee Titans, week two, defensive lineman, another game wrecker, another guy that has given the Bills problems in the past, and again, an early-season defensive lineman that can wreck your game plan, week two. So you deal with Aaron Donald in week one, Jeffrey Simmons in week two. He's a phenomenal football player. Another big test for the Bills' offensive line. So I have an Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Tyreek Hill, Jeffrey Simmons. Jared included three players that I didn't. Tyreke, uh, Travis Kelsey, excuse me, Derek Henry, and Jamar Chase. I'll comment on them really quick. Travis Kelsey, I'm really interested in seeing what he's like in that offense now without Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill does so much for that team in terms of lifting coverage, improving their spacing, and really opening up the middle of the field for Travis Kelsey to work. How does Pat Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs offense look without Tyreek Hill? And I think Travis Kelsey is the player that you look to, and I think he benefited from having Tyreek Hill, and they don't have a player like Tyreek
1: Hill anymore. So I I was cautious to put him down. Put down Derrick Henry. I'm very
0: rarely going to put a running back on this. Running backs are so dependent on everything else. Blocking the passing game, all that type of stuff. The Titans were the number one seed last year without Derrick Henry. Their offensive rushing attack was just as good as it ever was without Derrick Henry. I just can't get myself
1: to put him down. And he's not really hurt the Bills. like He's had like one explosive run. I can't get myself to put him down. The team was just as good without him last year.
0: And then you have Jamar Chase, and I'd put Jamar Chase in a bucket with guys like Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. The Bills face some really good receivers, and I'm not trying to mitigate them at all. Those are great players. But I think those defensive linemen
1: and Tyreek Hill are just more concerning challenges than those receivers. Again, I don't want to take anything away from Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, great players.
0: I'm more concerned about the defensive lineman, and I'm more concerned about Tyreek Hill more than any other wide receiver. I would love to hear your list. This, is, this was fun for me to go through. Forget about what I said. Forget about what Jared said. Send me your list. I'd love to see it. You can make a comment here on YouTube. You can hit me up in the Lockdown Bills Twitter community if you're a part of it. Give me your top five. If you're not part of it, search it, ask to join, and become a member of that, that community because I think this is a really fun conversation. Your top five non-quarterbacks that the Bills play in 2022 that you're most concerned about. Shout out to Jared for bringing this one to my attention. This was a fun talking point, and I want to hear other people's lists. What's funny is I went to my brother, and I, said, I gave him the question. I said, hey, I made my list. Send me yours. And he gave me the exact five players that I had. We saw it exactly the same. But I can see this. I can see a lot of different angles with this. And so would love some feedback on that topic. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. We should have a lot of news coming out of One Bill's Drive for us to reflect upon tomorrow. So don't miss anything. Make sure you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took
1: a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.